Good morning, beloved Orangewood. Welcome to our cozy worship space. It is great to worship with you. One of the joys of doing it three times is I get to hear Lily sing three times. Is that, was she not amazing? Wow. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 2 Kings uh, chapter 5 as well, we have this time up in this space. What we're looking at is the prophet Elisha and some of these wonderful stories that we find in the Old Testament and ask God to come and make them alive to us. You know, it's interesting. I love these stories, but one of the things I'm realizing is I want you to hear the whole story. So we're reading scripture and it's a good amount of scripture. It's listed for you in your bulletin, but we have a short service. And so man, is there a lot to say? So uh, I'll try not to talk incredibly fast, but may the Holy Spirit come and speak. This year, as we took our trip to Israel, an incredible place. If you ever get a chance to go, please go. We visited the Jordan River. It was actually my first time in the spot where most historians say that John the Presbyterian baptized Jesus. And it was there. And so you can see it's, it's really, it's not a very pretty river. I mean, especially over the years. And I kid you not, I had to go in. I had to just go into the Jordan River. So I, I took off my shoes and socks. I got in the river and I promise you, as soon as I got in, either something bit me or pinched me within a matter of seconds. And I'm almost tried to walk on the Jordan River. It scared me to death. And you can see uh, one of our mis- ministry partners over in Greece, Ayidas, his son is our intern who played the keyboards. And I'm baptizing him or faking baptizing him right there in the Jordan. Well, the Jordan River plays a prominent role in today's story. There's a great man named Naaman that we're going to look at. Uh, He was the commander of a Syrian army, which is kind of strange because this is God's enemies. These are the Israelites' enemies. But he was a great man of valor with a great reputation, uh, had a great position. He obtained a great victory, but he had one really, really, really great problem. He had leprosy. And Naaman was told by a servant girl, interestingly, in some of the spoils of victory, they went into Israel and they had won a victory. And part of the spoils were this servant girl, this little girl that has been now brought to Syria, who was working in Naaman's house, household. And she said, man, if only my Lord were to go and talk to this guy, Elisha, this man of God, that he could cure him of his leprosy. And we're going to hear the story of what this man says. He's going to say, by the way, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times and you will be cured. Now, Naaman doesn't like what he's told because you look at that. Would you want to go dip seven times into that? Uh, He's saying, you got to be kidding me. This can't be the way that I am to be healed. We're going to see three things this morning. A faith that heals, grace that is free, and greed that kills. So we're going to read God's word. I changed Bibles out this morning because I had to get the bigger print Bible. I mean, last week is like impossible to read in here. So uh, may God add blessing to the reading of his word. And uh, would you follow along? If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me or that you have very small print in your bulletin there. Hear the word of the Lord, 2 Kings 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord, interesting, capital Yahweh, had given him victory to Syria. Uh, He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord uh, were were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. 
So Naaman went and told, this, told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. This is incredible amount of stuff. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, you know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Can you imagine that picture? And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But when Naaman, uh, but Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out uh, to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and cure the leper. But Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, are they not better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, my father, it's a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. And he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all of earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he, he, uh, which is uh, Elisha, said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. From now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself to the house of Ramon, when I bow myself in the house of Remen. The Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, remember we saw him last week. This is Elisha's servant and he's got issues. The servant of Elisha, the man of God said, see, my master has spared this Naaman, this, this Syrian and not accepting from his hand what was brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well, my master. But he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, There have now just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophet. Please give them a talent of silver, uh, silver and two festal garments. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. 
And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver and two bags and two festal garments and laid them on two of his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in their house. And he sent the men away and they departed. He went in and stood before his master. And Elijah said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments and olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went from his presence, a leper like snow. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, would you come in with power? Would you give us understanding to, to your word? May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I want to look at a few few things. First of all, it's the faith that heals. It's an interesting who has faith in this passage. Who is the one? And it begins with this little girl. I think of her situation and say, how could she still have faith? I mean, she was taken captive. She's part of the booty of a victory of the Syrian army in Israel. And yet she's there as a, as a little girl, as a slave working for Naaman's wife. And she has such faith in God and, and his servant Elisha saying, but if my Lord could only get to Elisha, Elisha would sur- surely cure him of his leprosy. Incredible faith. And then you see faith of all people of Naaman's servants. Naaman, a Syrian, who says, I can't believe the way I'm being treated. The servant said to him, did you not just receive an incredible word? Did did the man of God does not say to you, go wash and be cleansed? Will you not do it? And then we'll see the emerging faith, maybe as small as a mustard seed of Naaman. They would eventually go into that Jordan River and dip seven times. But Naaman had to get over something. For his faith was impeded by what he thought that God should do. And it's often ours is the same way. Naaman was offended the way Elisha acted. And he had a certain thing in his mind. He thought, well, God should act this way. Did you notice that when all the chariots and all the men got to Elisha's house, what did Elisha do? He didn't even greet him. He didn't go talk to him. He sent a servant out and said, here's what you're to do. And, And Naaman's like, dang it. I had thought that the man of God would act this way. I had thought that he would do this dance and sing and chant and maybe rattle something and he'd do all this hocus pocus stuff and I would be clean. And he had to get over because he had to realize that what he thought of God was not what God was really like. Beggars can't be choosers. Is that not true? It's It's really dangerous when we have expectations that God should act in certain ways. It's dangerous when we feel like he should respond in certain situations in certain ways. And unmet expectations from God produce in us a lot of bitterness and confusion. What this is telling us is to walk by faith. The faith truly does heal. But God is God, and we have nothing that can coerce God into doing things that we want him to do. We don't have a religion or righteousness that makes God act on our behalf. Jesus heals us by God's grace and faith. How, what does he heal us from? Well, he heals us from being dead in our trespasses and sin. He heals us from the penalty and the power of sin. That healing is true now for all of his people. He says for us to wash and be clean, to wash in the blood of Christ and to be born again like like a new child. I love how he says of Naaman, his flesh was like the flesh of a child. In Christ Jesus and being washed with him, we are born again. He saves us from death and hell. 
but he doesn't always act the way we think he should. And Naaman had to get over that, but he is God. But scripture says this, God causes all things to work together for his good, for our good and his glory for his children. That's Romans 8, 28. And the Westminster Confession, question number 26, I just read it this morning, it reminds me, God is gonna work all things for our good and his glory. Why? Because God is able to do that because he is God Almighty and he desires to do it because he is a faithful father. It's faith, faith alone that heals. The second thing is grace that is free. Naaman thought he thought maybe he could buy the favor of God. He wanted to give God a huge present or the man of God a present. But not, Naaman had no greatness that wasn't given to him by God's grace. I love the fact that even when the description of the greatness of Naaman, it says, by the way, God gave him the victory. The point is this, we have nothing to barter with a holy God. We have no greatness that we could stand on our own apart from the grace of God. We have nothing to barter with except for filthy rags. But the incredible good news is, is that grace is free. I think of the, uh, the song, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not gonna be able to say, well, God, I do this and I've done that and I have this religion and I'm trying to be moral and just. We have nothing to offer, and yet he loves us, and God's grace is free uh, that will truly set us free. And then the third thing we see is greed that kills. Gehazi, that greed that would cling to him, that would rob him of health in life. It's interesting. I have to ask, are, are we like Gehazi? What an unusual guy. It's somebody who is in very close proximity to God, but has no reality about God. He's actually, in reality, far from God. Somebody who's a lover of money. Somebody whose greed consumed him. And he would literally run. He would literally run after Naaman. He was running after something that the world could provide, that the man of God or that God could not. The greed of idols of this world clung to him like leprosy, and it would suck the life out of him. I think I can relate to that. So many times I run for what the world can offer, forgetting that everything we need God provides for us in Christ Jesus. Turn back, Gehazis. Turn back and run to Jesus. Be washed and cleansed to him. Believe and be saved. There's a, there's a passage that I want to read to you in Luke chapter 17 of Jesus himself healing 10 lepers. It's John 17. I'm going to read and start in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. They had to. Lepers had to be outside the community and lifting up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, which they're the ones who could declare them clean. And as they went, they were cleansed. I love that. As they acted in faith, as they responded to his word, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well, or your faith has saved you. I got to believe that all ten lepers were pretty darn appreciative of what Jesus had done. And they all had to be grateful. Are you kidding me? He had removed a, a social scourge and a, and a debilitating disease, an uncurable disease from all of them. But there was one who couldn't get over it. 
There was one who was particularly grateful, who says, I have been cleansed. And he went back and he was worshiping God with a loud voice. Let me ask you this. Who is it with you? Do you realize that we are like Naaman, that we're lepers with a, with a disease that only Jesus can cure, a disease of sin that separates from a holy God? That there's nothing we could bring to him to barter, but we come by God's grace through faith and say, I know I'm a sinner, but I embrace Christ. Are you one of the nine lepers who realize, yeah, Jesus has done some great things. Look what he's done. He set me free. But you've gone back to your life. You've gone back to your schedule, your agenda, and you really haven't lived your life with gratitude. Or are you like that one grateful leper that realizes that your life has been changed by the grace of God and the blood of Christ, that you've been cleansed and made beautiful because of what he has done? I had breakfast this week with a Christian counselor, and he was telling me a story that he was with a, uh, a young about 25-year-old girl, and it was the first time that they were together in counseling, and she was obviously nervous and shaking and, and, and telling her story, and she got to the point of part of her story, and she stopped, and she says, listen, I know you're a Christian, so what I'm about to tell you, you may not want to see me anymore. And she says, I struggle with same-sex attraction. You know, as he told me that story, I didn't mean to, but I wept. And I wept because I thought, this poor woman who feels like she has a leprosy of same-sex attraction. And what have Christians done to her? And what have Christians done to her? It was not a safe place to admit that, that we too were lepers. It wasn't a safe place that somehow we've risen above and have been so judgmental. And I wept and said, what have we done to her that she would feel that way? I got to tell you, there's, there's not a millimeter in my body that hasn't been ravaged by sin. And <laughs> and the sins that have affected my life too. And same-sex attraction is something that I haven't wrestled with up to this date. But the one thing I know is that I'm a leper. The one thing I know is that by the grace of God that I have been healed. The one thing I know is only by the blood of the Christ that I have been cleansed. And it seems like as Christians, we often don't associate ourselves with rightfully in this story. We are Naaman. Apart from Christ, we have a, a disease that only he can cure. And if you don't understand that this story intersects, intersects your life and mine, and you don't see yourself rightly in this story, two dangerous things will happen. You will start believing that you have something to offer God. That your religion and your righteousness is something that you could barter with a holy God. And I got to tell you, they're filthy rags. And another dangerous thing will happen is that you'll start judging others and look down on them and saying that, that somehow that your sins is not as leprous or has not as leprosy as theirs. And your own self-righteousness will drive you from God. The stories remind us that we're Naaman and we need to find by the grace of God healing in Christ's blood alone. We come to him and as we're cleansed, he says to us, now go in peace. What I love about what happens to Naaman is that now he's not just cleansed and he's not just made new, but his worship has forever changed. He says, I will no longer chase after idols. Now I know for sure that there is one God. And even if the, my society around me goes into worship, would you forgive me? Because I want to worship no others. If you really understand who you are being set free by the blood of Christ, your worship should be for just one God. And all of us, we have a Gehazi in us that wants to run after what the world has to offer. Let me ask you these questions in closing. Are you a cleansed leper? Or are you trying to bring something to God on your own? 
If you're a cleansed leper, that's who you are in Christ Jesus. If you come to him and you acknowledge your sin and you've embraced Christ as, a, as your savior. But not only that, are you an exceedingly thankful leper? Are you one who lives your life saying, I want to be more thankful than complain about what I have, what I don't have. I want to be thankful for the reality that God loves me and that Christ is enough and he's died so that I can live. Has your cleansing in the blood of Christ give you an undivided heart? Or are you like Gehazi running after the, what the world can offer, believing that somehow you can find life out there instead of finding a relationship with him in here? We're going to close by singing, There is a Fountain. It's a reminder that the blood of Christ is so much better than the Jordan River. The Jordan was just a sign that would eventually point to the blood of Christ. Go and immerse yourself into the reality that Christ lived for you, died for you, rose for you, so the lepers like us could be free. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray together. And Father God, thank you for these incredible stories that are so much more than what we see at the surface that a prophet so much greater than Elisha has come, and his name is Jesus, who doesn't ask us to go into the Jordan, but himself would die on a cross so that we can have our sins cleansed by his blood that was shed for us, making a payment for us by washing us and making us white as snow. Father, I pray for all of us that are yours, that we would be like that grateful, really grateful leper, that we would live our lives in gratitude, and like that grateful leper and like Naaman, we would have an undivided heart in worship. God, challenge us to show us where we're Gehazi, running at what the world can offer, thinking that somehow that will fill us. And God, may we be a people and we may be a church that realizes that we live in a world that has just been affected by leprosy. And we have no place to judge and no place to throw rocks, but every place to love and point to the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.